Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all? And welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. We have so much to get to in this episode today. I'm going to try to keep it somewhat concise, but there's so much stuff we just have to talk about that has happened over the last five, six, seven days in the world of tennis. Of course, we're going to talk about the BNP Paribas Open and what happened in Indian Wells and why it's historic on who won it. And it kind of shocked me a little bit as it shouldn't have shocked me, but it did. And I will explain that here coming up in a little bit. We're going to talk about Miami, and then we're going to talk about everything in between those two tournaments. There was a tournament in Phoenix, and there's other things happening in the world of tennis right now, and we're going to try to get to it all here in this episode. We're going to start at Indian Wells, at the BNP Paribas Open, down there in Palm Springs, California, as I talked about this midweek Last week, I talked about, you know, the first half of the tournament and how it was going, and the second half did not disappoint. There were some massive names in this tournament. Taylor Fritz going for a second straight BNP Paribas Open. You had, Deep in this tournament, you also had a guy by the name of Cam Nori that was going for his second title there at Indian Wells as he won it a few years ago. This has been a tournament, especially of late, that, like, not the big, big names have won. And it's been a really a breakout tournament for some young bucks a few times. And I didn't think that was going to be the case this year. I thought Daniil Medvedev would go right through and win this one. Of course, he did make it to the final. But the biggest storyline here was Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz wins the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells. And he does not drop a set during that entire run. The last person to do that, Roger Federer. Not bad company there if you're Carlos Alcaraz. He wins his first title there at Indian Wells, and he officially completes the Sunshine Double. The Sunshine Double is winning Indian Wells in the Miami Open, and they're the two they're the two Masters 1000 tournaments in America in the month of March. Carlos Alcaraz, the youngest ever, to win both of those tournaments, and this is just the tip of the iceberg for what this win did for Carlos Alcaraz. With this Masters 1000s tournament, or Master 1000 win, I should say. That's his third Masters 1000 win. Like I said, he's a teenager, so 19 years old, not bad for being 19 years old. He gets back to world number one in the rankings. He takes that back, and he ends Medvedev's 19-match winning streak. I've told you before, and I told you last week and the week before that, I thought Medvedev was really going to win this tournament. I thought Medvedev was playing the best tennis coming into this tournament. I thought Medvedev was riding his you know, momentum after winning three straight tournaments and was playing great tennis. I was right in the fact that Medvedev was playing fantastic tennis. I was wrong in thinking he could win this tournament because the way that Carlos Alcaraz has played, especially the last month, He is back to Carlos Alcaraz's way. It is mesmerizing to watch. Watching some of these matches is just like, who can beat you? It's almost like watching Djokovic again and Federer again and Nadal again like a few years ago thinking, who is going to beat this guy? Because I don't see it happening. That's the level of tennis that Carlos Alcaraz is playing right now. It's so fun to watch, and it's kind of fun to watch someone outside the big three do it. There is a small piece of me that thinks, well, 
Rafa's not in this tournament. Djokovic can't play in the U.S. They're not going to be here competing. But when it comes to the rest of the field, Carlos Alcaraz seems to be above everybody else as far as talent-wise, as far as skill-wise, as far, as far as hard work and determination on the court. He looks like Rafa out there with the type of just grit that he plays with and passion he plays with. And if he keeps playing like this, I don't know who's going to beat him in 2023. But we got to talk about the rest of the tournament that happened at the BNP Paribas Open down in Indian Wells. A lot of people had a really good tournament. Dino Medvedev, like I mentioned, made it to the final. I mean, you can't say he had a bad tournament even though he didn't win it. He's won the last three tournaments, makes it to the final here, and just runs into, in my opinion, a better player. But he beats, you know, Alexander Sverov, who Sverov kind of had a good tournament here, making it all the way to the quarterfinals, you, or I sorry, the round of 16, you got to give him credit for, you know, coming back from his injury and slowly making it back into com- competitive tennis again and being competitive on tour after what happened at the French Open last year with his ankle injury. Uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime had a fantastic tournament, makes it to the quarterfinals where he runs into Alcaraz, but he also made a deep run in doubles. So great to see from FAA. Tommy Paul lost to FAA in the round of 16. Tommy Paul still playing great tennis, just FAA seemed to have it that day. Uh, let's keep going. Taylor Fritz, I thought he would make a strong case for a back-to-back. He did, but he ran into Yannick Sinner. This Yannick Sinner playing Carlos Alcaraz in the cor- in the semifinal, sorry, was a big deal, and a lot of people had their eyes on it. This was actually Yannick Sinner became the first Italian man to reach the single single semifinal at the BNP Paribas Open in Tennis Paradise. He was the first Italian to do it. Shocks me a little bit that he's the first Italian to do it, considering the Italians that have come before him. But Yannick Sinner seems to be almost back to being that guy. And that set up a rematch with Carlos Alcaraz that a ton of people were looking forward to, including myself. But Alcaraz takes care of business there and wins that match in a tiebreaker and then 6-3. Let's keep moving down the line. I already talked about Medvedev a little bit, but I need to talk about Francis Tiafo. Francis Tiafo continues to stack good tournaments, and he, he, you know, he had that big outbreak last year at the U.S. Open, and then he has an all right beginning of the year. But for him to make the semifinals here in Tennis Paradise, where he ran into Daniil Medvedev and lost in straight sets, but that's not what I'm focusing on. Getting to a semifinal in Tennis Paradise is, I think, a pretty big accomplishment. That's like making it pretty much to the quarters of a Grand Slam, which is also a really big accomplishment. So uh, Francis Tiafo, great tournament. He beats Cam Nori on his way there. He beats you know guys like uh, Kubler on his way there, Giron on his way there. So not the toughest bracket, but still, his consistently playing good tennis over the course of a week and a half is a positive to see, and hopefully he can carry that thing into Miami. Overall, I thought Indian Wells and the BNP Paribas Open was a fantastic tournament. Um, I think it's always a well-run tournament. It's called the fifth major for a reason. It gets great attendance, even with Novak not there, even with Rafa not there, and there's great matches. I think it was fantastic. On the women's side, it was Arena Sabalenka playing against uh, Alina Rabakina in the final. Rabakina wins that one, which I think is... It's cool that Rabakina keeps winning these big tournaments and keeps having a successful career because sometimes at these Grand Slams, she doesn't get, I don't believe, the respect she deserves in putting in putting her on the on the main courts. She's not very vocal. She's not very flashy. Um, 
actually total opposite of how, you know, Sabalenka plays where she's loud and out there and it's hard to miss. It it can be easy to miss Rabakina, but her success doesn't come from the attention she gets or not, doesn't get. Her success comes from playing great tennis, and that's what she's doing. So that's who wins it on the women's side. Great tournament by Rabakina. She was it, she seemed like the best player for the entire week and a half, and she comes out on top. Indian Wells as a whole, fantastic. I loved it. I love watching it. Um, there's just an energy down at Indian Wells in Tennis Paradise. The photos, the videos, the tennis, everything that comes out of there is a testament to Tennis Paradise and why they call it Tennis Paradise. It's fantastic to watch. It's so pretty. The tennis is always good. And even without you know the two biggest names in sport, Rafa and Novak there, it's still a great tournament. Last thing about Indian Wells real quick. I almost forgot about this, and thank the Lord I didn't. Uh, more history at Indian Wells this year. Rohan Bopana becomes the oldest ATP Masters 1000 champion ever. He wins it in doubles at 43 years old. This was a great doubles match. It goes into a tiebreaker. Uh, it, this match seemed to have everything. History was made at the very end of it. Uh, Bopana wins this. There wasn't a double win this year. Carlos Alcaraz didn't play doubles, but they won 10-8. Him and Ebden, Matthew Ebden, they beat, uh, who is it? Wesley Kuhlhoff and Neil Skupski. Neil Skupski, legend in the sport of tennis when it comes to doubles. Uh, but Rohan Bopana wins it at 43 years old. What are you doing at 43 years old? This guy's winning Masters 1000s tournaments. Incredible. Playing two weeks straight almost of tennis to win this. That's crazy. They had to beat uh, Jack Sock and John Isner on the way there. They had to beat uh, Felix Ogiel-Asim and Denis Shapovalov on the way there. They had to beat Grigor Dimitrov and Hubie Hercoch on the way there. They had to beat some dudes. And they did it. Congrats to Bopana. That is incredible. Good job, dude. I want to see you win a Grand Slam. That'd be sweet. But congrats to you. That's awesome. We got to get to the other side of the country for the other fantastic tournament going on in the month of March. And that's why March is such a big month for American tennis in general. It is what's going down in Miami. At the Miami Open, the women will start on Tuesday, I believe, and the men will start on Wednesday of the main draw. Let's get kind of right into it. I want to get to... These first-round matches, I mean, Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed, that was pretty obvious now that he's number one in the world. And let's see who could play into each other and who could be good matches, uh, especially the top side of the bracket. Tommy Paul could run into Carlos Alcaraz in what looks to be probably the third or fourth round, one, two, three, four, um, the fourth round of this tournament, which would be interesting. Who the hardest person, I believe, out of the top side of that, um, that kind of ends with Rune. Uh, I believe it's probably Taylor Fritz uh, who could run into the winner of that Alcaraz Paul there in the fifth round of this tournament. I think that's who's the toughest on that side. Kasper Ruud, the three seed in this, goes all the way down to Rublev. Dimitrov's in this side uh, in this quarter. You have Sferov's in this quarter, Sinner's in this quarter. Uh, a lot of really, really good players in this quarter. Two first-round matches that I think are going to be Two of the best of the tournament. This is first round. A lot of these players get buys in the first round, but this is first round. Uh, it's going to be Alexander Bublik playing J.J. Wolf, uh, both big-time players that play loud games. I think 
that match could be really, really good in the first round. And then two Frenchmen going at it, Gael Monfils and Hugo Humbert going at it in the first round. I think that could be another really, really good match. On the top side of the bracket, let's get to the bottom side of the bracket and who's there. Uh, you know, Hubie Hercotch comes in at the eight seed. That top side of this bottom side of the bracket's pretty stacked. It's got Medvedev in it. It's got Berrettini in it. It's got Damon Neuer in it. got Cam Norrie in it. Ben Shelton's in it as the... Looks like the 32 seed, and then it's got Hubie Hurkacz in it. I think this side is probably the most stacked out of this tournament um, this quarter because of Medvedev, Berrettini, Dimonor, uh, Nori, Shelton, Hurkacz. Everybody there has been playing really, really good tennis at the start of this year. So I think that's probably the one I'm going to be keeping a most eye on on this side of the bracket. Uh, the bottom side of it has, you know, the two seed in this tournament, which is Stefano Tsitsipas. Then it has like Musetti, Hachinov, Tiafo coming up to FAA and Serendolo at the top side. So as far as first round matches on the bottom side of the bracket, a lot of it is qualifiers. So none of those are really necessarily decided yet until really close to the tournament. But there's no real good first round matches like there is on the top side. Like I said, Bublik and J.J. Wolf play, and then Humbert and uh, Guy Oman Feast play. So no really good first-round matches like those, but once you get in the second and third round, this thing really, really starts to ramp up. I would love to pick Medvedev to win this tournament. I think he very well could um, because some of these players, when they get really hot, they're really, really, really hot. And sometimes you just have to ride those those win streaks and, you know, that really, really good tennis for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, even if they're not winning tournaments, you know, they're really gonna, they're really gonna come through. Um, I, I hate to do this because I, I normally don't like picking the favorites in these tournaments. I would like to pick Medvedev again in this tournament. And this decision might come back to bite me because I'm not going to pick Medvedev to win this tournament as far as my pick to win, uh, just because of how hard his section is. Berrettini is due for a breakout. That could be Berrettini or Damanur. He could run into Cam Nori. He could run into to Chorich, Shelton, or Hercotch, all just in his quarter. And then coming out of his quarter, he could run into Sitsipas, Hachinov, Tiafo. Uh, Serendolo, FAA, Daniel Evans, like those are all guys that could really come out of this whole half of the bracket into the semis and make it all the way to the finals. So I'm not necessarily going to go with Medvedev to win this tournament. Y'all are going to hate, like seriously hate who I'm going to pick winning this tournament. And I'm so sorry about it, but I am going to pick Carlos Alcaraz to go back to back. He like watching him over the last week and a half, he is so good at tennis right now, and he is playing such great tennis. He looks unstoppable, and that's why I'm going to pick him. I know he's the favorite. I know he's the top seed. I know he's number one in the world, and he's coming off a win at Indian Wells. I realize all of that, but sometimes when Carlos Alcaraz is hot, he's crazy hot, and he's really, really hard to beat, and I think that's what he is right now. I think he goes back-to-back -back at Miami. He makes more history, and he goes back-to-back -back in the month of March of Masters 1000s here in America. The qualifying has already started in this Miami Open to get to the main draw. And here's just an interesting story here. Uh, Nuno Borges is how I'm going to say his name. I'm sure that's not actually how you say his name. But as an American looking at his name, his name looks like Nuno Borges. That's what it looks like. He is now in the ATP Top 70 
after winning the Phoenix Challenger in Phoenix, Arizona. And less than 24 hours after winning that tournament, he's playing in the first round of the qualifying in Miami. And so he has to take a four-hour plane trip. He's got to make it there before his match time. Um, that's just the ugly side of the ATP Tour. Sometimes you just got to you know, jump on these planes, get to a certain place at a certain time, not a lot of rest, not a lot of relaxation, not really a lot of training and preparation. You just got to keep playing. So that's something that needs to be said. We'll watch him through the rest of this tournament and see how he does. But uh, a massive win for him in Phoenix, but a really, really, really fast turnaround to playing again in Miami. Let's get to what else is happening in Miami. There's some cool things happening in Miami. Um, there's going to be a college match at the end of the tournament for two colleges, which is going to be Clemson and the University of Miami are going to play there on March 31st. Uh, so that's pretty cool that they're bringing college tennis into this. I think they should do that more often, especially if these tournaments are in college settings. They might, and I just might miss it, but... Uh, it is, it is cool that they're doing this. I think it's awesome. I got to get to some news, and I'm going to get to this news real fast before we get out of here, and it has to do with Rafael Nadal. Rafael Nadal is out of the top 10 in the power rankings for the first time since 2005. He has been in the top 10 for 17 and a half years, 912 weeks he's been in the top 10. That's 6,384 days. What a run for Rafael Nadal. And the reason he's not in the top 10 is because he's dealing with injury. I don't believe he's not one of the top 10 best players in the world right now. I think he's a top 10 player in the world right now. He's just dealing with some injuries. But hasn't been able to play in a lot of tournaments, hence not being able to get a lot of points. But that run by Rafael Nadal, 17 and a half years being at the top of his game. I tweeted this, but... This is greatness. This is greatness in our sport. This is greatness in any sport. To be at the top of the game, there's only a few athletes that are the best 10 players in their sport for almost 18 years, and it's still going, and it's still going. And that's Rafael Nadal. That's Novak Djokovic. That's Roger Federer. Those guys are at the top of their sport for that long, and there's not a lot of people in other sports that are at the top that long. Those two, those three are really at the top of sport for that long. And it's just remarkable that we got to watch it all at the same time. But what an accomplishment for Rafael Nadal. It comes to an end this week, but I don't think his time in the top 10 is over. I think he'll be back for sure. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I talked about a lot, and we went over a lot. I'm going to get more into the Miami Open, open next week during another podcast episode here, and we're going to recap kind of what happened at the beginning of it and more about the tournament uh, but long story short, great players in this tournament. Miami Open is always fantastic because they play in Hard Rock Stadium. You know, it's all about the lights and the glory and Miami and it's flashy and it's really cool. So uh, it's actually a completely different pace and like completely different, you know, types of people live in Miami compared to the laid back, you know, West Coast. And then you got the fast, you know, going, going, going of the East Coast back to back. So it's kind of cool to see these two tournaments collide here in the month of March in America. But my pick to win it, Carlos Alcaraz. I know everyone's going to say it's a boring pick, but sorry for picking someone who I actually think is going to win this tournament. And that is Carlos Alcaraz. We'll see you next week on the on the podcast and uh, enjoy some tennis this week. Miami is a great tournament to watch, especially what they do at Hard Rock Stadium. It's awesome. We'll talk about it next week. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.